Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back, Julie. It is May the 11th, and we are picking up where we left off yesterday. We're talking about Napoleon Hill's 17 Principles for Success, and today we're picking up on success principle number 10. And before we get to that um, first, uh, or rather our next point, I want to thank all of you for continuing to give us such great feedback on our book, Harris Rules, on Amazon. Uh, we really, I mean, I should admit it, but Julie and I really do read the uh, comments and we really thoroughly love the uh, positive comments from all the book purchasers. Uh, so absolutely positively, if you purchased the book and it's had an impact on, on your life, please do share your positive feedback with other potential purchasers because guess what? You're indirectly helping them. Um, you know, you're helping them make a decision to buy the book and get on the right course for building a very successful uh, real estate career. And also thanks to all of you for continuing to make this number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in the nation. I know on some shows you're listening and you're thinking, how the hell is this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in the nation? But guess what it is? So we're, uh, we really, again, sincerely appreciate all the great five-star reviews on iTunes. It does mean a lot to Julie and I. We do this podcast every single day, and our whole focus is to delivering the information in a concise, no BS way so we can have the greatest amount of impact on all of you in the shortest period of time. We are doing our best to help all of you. We know that we have to help you overcome a lot of the mental and emotional headwinds that is this world that we all find ourselves in now, and that's what we do. We want you guys to find this podcast to be someplace you want to listen or you know, we, we you know, someplace, but it's kind of like a place, isn't mm -hmm. it, that you want to listen to and visit every single day because it's going to help you center your thoughts and your emotions so you can be in alignment with your truest purpose on this planet, your highest and truest purpose on this planet, which is being of service to other people. And heck, uh, there's nothing wrong with making a ton of money too. And so on our podcasts, on all of our podcasts, we've had our 10,000 shows downloaded over two or 10 million times. No, no, 2,000 shows downloaded over 10 million times, sorry, uh, that we have always stayed true to that mission. And based on the feedback we're getting from all of you guys, we're doing a good job, and I sincerely appreciate it. And if you're a regular listener um, and you have not given us a five-star review on iTunes, that is going to be your um, homework for today's podcast. So, Julie, we're going to pick up on principle of success point number 10. Yes, and principle of success point number 10 is called accurate thinking. Everything begins with a thought. To think accurately, one must separate fact from information and actively categorize and prioritize those facts. So uh, when, and we talked a little bit about this on some of the other points, but one of the things I jotted down was where do you even start with regards to media entertainment? We talked about this a little bit on the other show. The news is no longer news, it's opinions, but practice a media-free life and you won't have to worry about it. So if the principle of success is accurate thinking, and Napoleon Hill says to you to think accurately, you've got to separate fact from information and actively categorize and prioritize the facts, you know, practicing a media-free life seems like the right thing to do. And he wrote that before there even was anything remotely like what you guys get distracted by today. He wrote that in the 20s and 30s, yeah. and there were probably at that point maybe two or three um, influential newspapers. Yeah. There really wasn't even much you TV. You weren't watching TV, right. maybe a little radio here and there, but... 
you know, today more than ever, you've got to really be sensitive to that. So it, just practice a media free life. You, you guys got to realize that the media never has been anything other than partisan. And I mean that in a political sense too. And if you go all the way back down to uh, William Randolph Hearst, right? And there was a, you know, he was con- basically controlled most of the media, especially as pertained to politics in the major cities around, around the United States. And he had his political leanings. And even this is something going all the way back to, again, this same era where um, Napoleon Hill was alive. These, uh, the, the newspapers then were overtly political. And to think now that you're not basically caught in a uh, confirmation bias sort of approach to life. And when you're consuming the same content every single day is asinine. What you're doing is you're reinforcing a lot of limiting beliefs that you have about life, your fellow Americans, you know, humanity, um, and really what your true potential is on this planet. I know that's a big lofty thing I just said, but I want you to just carry this away with you. If the one thing you do um, from listening to this series that we're doing for you is you just decide to go media free for a week, that will be the greatest gift you've ever given to yourself. And I want you to notice for those of you who have the courage, those of you who have the fortitude to actually go cold turkey on it, you're going to go through media withdrawal. You're going to start, you know, getting twitchy. You're going to start looking for, oh my gosh, am I missing something? Who said what? You know, what's going on here? What's going on there? I mean, media free, no Facebook, no Twitter, no Instagram, no whatever the other Mickey Mouse you guys are doing on social. No, uh, certainly no cable news, no newspapers, no media, period. Go completely media free and watch again how on the first couple days of going media free, you start to go through withdrawal. You're going to get anxious, nervous. You're going to have pangs of insecurity because you feel like something's getting by you. And that is your ego. 100% your ego is looking for that little hit of endorphins that comes from, you know, some sort of salacious headline or news story. Your your ego is telling you that you're losing control of your um your community, right? So you believe that you are what you are, uh, what you listen to. You believe you are what the media that you associate yourself with. So if you're uh, left-leaning, let's say, and you all of a sudden decide to tune out all sorts forms of media, and you are all of a sudden now going to start going through withdrawal because you're feeling like you don't have the same sense of personal security because you're no longer um, going to be, you know, listening to and consuming and reinforcing your own world perspective and your own beliefs. Uh, by listening to you know MSNBC every day, 10 times a day. You guys get the point here? You start here? missing your own confirmation bias. Right. You start going through all these forms of withdrawal and those pains, those little bits of mental anguish, those actually are, it should be for all of you, cathartic, but also cause you to be very introspective. And by introspective, I want you to start realizing that yes, what Tim and Julie are saying, I am going through some, you know, like, you know, if you get off caffeine, if you're a big coffee drinker and all of a sudden you stop drinking coffee, uh, you're going to go through a headache. You're going to go through withdrawal. You're going to have problems concentrating. You know, there are actual physical ramifications of breaking any sort of, uh, you know, habitualized activity. And media is certainly one of those habitualized activity that you need to seriously consider uh, getting off of. Because on the other side of it, what's going to happen is there's an old saying, nature abhors a vacuum. And what that means is when all of a sudden you remove this thing that you were doing and spending all this time doing media, your brain is then going to look for something else to fill that uh, chasm of emptiness. And I will strongly suggest you fill that with things that are going to be similar to these success principles that we're sharing with you. So if all of your time is spent basically focused on and circling around the you know drain of negativity, no wonder you don't have any opportunities to allow your brain and your thoughts and your actions to reflect the person that you want to be because you're too busy reinforcing this you know perspective you have on people, on humanity, on politics, on religion, on you know this social issue or that social issue. 
Just focus on your highest and truest purpose on this planet, which is being of service to other people, and then focus on becoming the best version of you as a real estate professional. And when you do, you will have an unbelievable opportunity ahead of you to change the world in a meaningful way, starting with yourself. Exactly. So it makes a lot of sense that the next principle of success then is controlling our attention. Okay, so what does that mean? Controlled attention is the principle that commands us to focus actively and exclusively on those things we desire to achieve resulting in its imminent attainment. Controlling your attention. For example, follow one course until successful. Do the actions it takes to meet or exceed the goals that you did in your real estate treasure map, for example. But stop getting off course. And related to that is my next point. Are you a sampler or a dabbler or do you actually stick to it? Developing duplicatable and predictable sources of listing leads should be your primary focus until successful. Then lather, rinse, repeat until you're maintaining your magic number. Now, I threw around some terms in there, you like did. magic gonna... number, okay? Yeah. Magic number is the number of listings that you have to maintain at all times to meet or exceed your monthly unit goal, which is related to your goals in five areas of life, right? So we do a lot of math in the real estate treasure map which to help by you the, figure this out. Which, by the way, they can get for free. The real estate treasure map is one of the many books that we give you for free. And all you have to do is text 2021 to 47372. Text 2021 to 47372. And when you do, we're going to text you back the real estate treasure map. They can grow rich for real estate. We're going to try, uh, fact, I'm sorry, text you back a lot of other books as well. But those are the two most important ones being that they're going to give you the most sense of confidence, clarity, uh, and direction. So go ahead and text 2021 to 47372. And we'll text you back the link to download Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate in the Real Estate Treasure Map. That's right. So this is kind of like one of the other principles we talked about in an earlier podcast, which was uh, your your definiteness of purpose, right? So controlling your attention is related to that. Let, let's give them a real practical sure. example of that. So if you wake up in the morning, we are, we man, we're beating the crap out of media lately, aren't we? Well, but so it's got it coming. It, it definitely has it coming. <laughs> so if you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do, and this is what most people do, is you turn on your phones and you start perusing for what whatever you may have missed overnight, your emails, you're going to read headlines, you're going to have all kinds of different people that are doing their best to jump right into your head and manipulate your thoughts and thus your behaviors for the rest of the day. That's what happens every single day. So you get up, you check your garbage on your phone. And then what happens is you basically reinforce it with more garbage. You're going to have your coffee and you're going to watch the news. You're going to read the newspaper. You're going to read more garbage on online. And then you're going to try to squeeze in a little bit of work. But strangely, you're not motivated to. Strangely, you're you're in a bad mood. Strangely, you're not really operating from a place of wanting to be of service to other people. Well, I know why. Because you filled your mind and you sucked away your own potential by allowing all these other people to co-op your um, you know, essentially you're what you could have done that particular day, the people you could have helped. And then throughout the day, you continue to reinforce it. You're listening to the same radio stations. If you're still listening to radio, you're still listening to the same thing at the same time every single day. And what do you end your day with? The same way you began your garbage. day, more garbage, garbage in, garbage out. And you do that for weeks, months, years. And you, you wonder, notice it because and you, it's a habit, right? And everyone else, you know, operates the exact same way. And this is why occasionally I get from coaching clients, what should I do when I walk in a listing situation and they have an opposing political view of mine? <laughs> okay, number one, why are you even looking for that? Number two, how is that even remotely relevant? Your job is to be of service. So that's how it can sneak in and have them think that they're supposed to only do this in that situation and that has to be in total alignment with their beliefs. It, it's just very pervasive. It is, and it's almost like you're being uh, socially an outcast if you don't somehow wave a certain political flag in a certain uh, direction. 
and we're not we're doing our best to walk the line here on politics but you've got to realize that if you want to truly be of service to other people it's not that you don't have your opinions and your beliefs whichever right or left that they're leaning but they're irrelevant for being of service to other people how would you like to walk into a uh, a vet or a doctor or an accountant or anybody who's a paid professional and essentially they're then putting their politics and their own you know moralistic beliefs in your face and it's not what you think, right? Is that how a professional acts? No. And yet, what are you guys doing? A lot of you do the exact that you spend time on social reinforcing, uh, you know, a sort of yeah. set of beliefs. You don't even really know why you have. And are I there- guarantee that there are some listing appointments that don't get set because it was going to be competitive. They went and Googled you. They saw your social media and they said, mm, not for me. Your job is to be of service to other people. Right. Your job is not to be political. And you don't know. I'll give you guys an interesting example. And this happened to Julie and I. Um, so we sat down. This was um, pre-COVID. I, I'm remembering the lady and she didn't have a mask on. So it was definitely pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. So we sat down at a little cafe uh-huh. and the agent was oh. from Washington, D.C., right? Yes. And we didn't know she was an agent. Mm-mm. But they were there and, you know, Julie and I, you know, we were having our coffee. The tables were relatively close together. So it was definitely pre-COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and we started having this nice little conversation with her. She and her husband were on vacation and they were here, whatever, whatever. He was he owned a big plumbing business and she was sure enough an agent. And without a blink of an eye, she then starts spouting off to us um, her political dogma and didn't even char- stop to check our temperature, right? Didn't even know what our perspective was. No. Didn't even have a sense of what we might actually think or feel about what she was saying. Did not give a rat's ass. Mm-hmm. She just was so used to being surrounded by other people that thought and acted exactly like she did. She didn't even fathom and or didn't even pop into her brain that maybe Julie and I, A, don't really care. Uh, right. what her uh, you know, political views are. B, we don't talk politics any at any time with anybody because it's not really, no, it's, not, it's not real conversation. No. It's, it's you, and sometimes when you're arguing some point about some particular uh, political hot button, you don't even understand fully the ramifications of the point you're arguing. So somebody who's trying to basically leverage your beliefs about green energy, let's say, and they're going to start hitting on all the hot buttons of the environment and the, you know global warming and whatever it is, all the while, their real agenda isn't anything like what it's presenting itself to be. They have, they're on a completely different mission, and you're just their pawn. You're their social pawn to essentially further their own particular agenda. That's the problem with politics. It's all, it, frankly, guys, it's evil, and most of it should just be completely avoided. The world will go on. Things will resolve without you. Your job, if you want to make an impact on this world, a positive impact, is be the best version of yourself as a real estate professional. Do you do that primarily? You help a lot of people. You make a lot of money. You then with that money can then reinvest that into the things that you care about. And that's how you basically make it so that you're truly having an impact, not by wasting your time trying to join some big sort sort of a, you know, politicized social club on social networking or whatever, uh, and just surrounding yourself with people who are 99% negative. Hey guys, here's a question for you. When is the last time you went on any sort of social media? Julie's social media is very nice because she prunes it. It's all about children and dogs, basically. I'm very careful about uh, on what Facebook, I subject myself right? To. <laughs> it's a private page, so. Right. But you know, but how many of you guys actually go into any form of media and actually walk away feeling motivated to go out to the real estate world and do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level? How many of you are motivated to actually go out there and seize the world for the amazing opportunity it is? And so here's a little interesting thing. At my ripe old age of 50, I'm going to share with you. My entire life, and your entire lives as well, 
Everybody in the media was trying to convince us that darker days are ahead, right? They're trying to convince us that there's some sort of zombie apocalypse right around the corner. It doesn't matter what it was. The media and really probably the government and pretty much everyone else is addicted to making us worry. Making people worry makes people easily uh, controlled. Uh, confident people are not easily controlled. Worried people are in fear, and in fear mode, they're basically easily manipulated. And that's the reason that virtually all sales copy is written the way it's written. That's the reason that all things are sold the way they're sold. They're very rarely sold on optimism. But here's the thing I've learned at 50. Pretty much all of it is bullshit because uh, every single year of my 50 years and every single year of all your years, every single year, in the world has gotten better. It's never been a better, this has never been a better time to be a human on planet earth, right? Health-wise, educationally-wise, social-wise, financial-wise, all the things you could possibly imagine are a thousand times better than they were just 50 years ago. There's nothing that's not better now than it was before. And you can argue the environment even, but I think, you know, people other than me, because I'm not going to argue with you about it, would argue that the environment even in a lot of ways is better than it used to be. You could talk about, you know, for example, the fact that there was a lot of animals on the verge of extinction and now they're not. You could talk about a lot of protected habitats that were basically going to be plowed over and now they're not. So you can, you can argue both sides of things forever. But the moral of the story, what I'm trying to share with you, is maybe the thing that's holding you back from becoming the best version of you is your belief because you've been sold into believing that tomorrow is going to be worse than today. And if you believe that tomorrow is going to be worse than today, you are then your motivation to improve yourself today for the sake of tomorrow being better than today. You're not going to have that motivation. You have allowed yourself, your heart and your soul and your potential on this planet to be completely co-opted, stolen because of the people that you allow to influence you in your life. So here's a little thought for you. What if everything in your life is going to be better tomorrow, the next day, the next year, 10 years from now? What if every single aspect of your life, I'm talking about your health, your relationships, your relationship with God, your spirituality, your financial aspects, your educational aspects. What if everything in the future is going to be, you know, 10 times, 100 times better than today? Maybe it's only 50 times. Who knows? Maybe it's only five times. But my point is, what if things are going to get better, not worse? That's not how a lot of you think. Why don't you think that way? Even though your own life has shown that to be true for the most part. Why don't you think that way? It's because you're allowing yourself to be brainwashed. That's why. So this media thing is incredibly important. That's right. That's why we bring it up and remind you guys to be media free. So our last principle of success today is number 12, building teamwork. The principle of teamwork is equivalent to harmonious cooperation based on willingness and free contribution. Inspiring teamwork assures rapid and meaningful success. Now, let me just prequel this with, we've talked a lot about teams on yep. our podcast. In our book, Harris Rules. In the book, and in fact, in the book, Harris Rules, we talk specifically about four or five different models of how to successfully build a profitable team. And really the first one is the solo agent. And, and we actually go through these examples of uh, pluses and minuses for lifestyle and what you're looking for, et cetera. Then we do a normal partnership. Then we do a small team and a larger team. And so by the so, way, guys, all the way, all the uh, generations of team building that we go through in Harris Rules also tells you what the hypothetical profit margins will yes. be from each of the different business models that you could emulate. So do not just jump to this big team model because you'll quickly discover that often it is profit free. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
inadvertently, most yes. cases. Okay, so I wrote down in my notes, are you a rower or are you a rider in your own team? Now, there's different versions. You might not have an official team, but you have a team amongst your family members. You have a team amongst you know, so who let's you're dealing con- with. Let's explain that. Yep. So the idea, the original premise between are you a rider or a rower or a rider is when you guys are adding staff. Mm-hmm. And then some of the staff is going to be, they're not going to pay for themselves, basically. And during the last real estate crash, and frankly, Julie and I have always run our own businesses this way, every single person person in the company has to directly contribute revenue to at least pay for themselves. Otherwise, there are riders. Now, as your business grows, you're going to have some inevitable riders that are not going to be rowers, right? If you start as a small business and you grow to be a big business, then all of a sudden you're having to hire you know, people that are uh, like, say, for example, a maintenance man. Well, he's not going to be creating revenue for the business, but without him, he's, you're not going to have much of a business because you know the doors won't work and the toilets won't flush. You guys get my point? So, But as a smaller business owner, which most of you always will be, less than two a million a year in revenue is basically a small business. And that's not real estate sales. That would be commissions for you real estate people. That's revenue as in real estate income. For $2 million or less, you should definitely try to basically make every single person on your staff uh, pay for themselves. A rower. A rower. And otherwise, you're going to have a bunch of people that are in the boat row, uh, you know, rowing and a few people in the back that are just riding. And that's not the way to run a business because the problem is, is when there are reversals in your business or there are reversals in the economy or your local housing market, if you have too many riders in your boat, they're actually going to uh, cause the rowers to run out of energy and they're going to sink the boat. In other words, the fixed cost of having to pay for all those people that don't pay for themselves will absolutely kill your business. And so that's the thing about um, when you're scaling up a business, when you're scaling up any kind of team, in our book, Harris Rules, we give you suggestions on how you can actually make every single person on your team. Oh, Tim, that's a transaction coordinator. They shouldn't be um, necessarily responsible for doing anything because they're servicing the transactions. Well, why don't you start having them do some BPOs? Why, why don't you have them uh, pick up, maybe they're, uh, they have one or two buyers that they're working with at all times just on the weekends. Make it so they at least cover their own fixed costs. Yes, they give you referrals from their own center of influence is another method of doing that. Um, one of the easiest examples here, rowers versus writers and team building, is buyer referral agents versus team buyer's agents, right? So when you have a referral agent or several agents and you're not working with buyers anymore, or you're spinning off some of your buyers, those are referral fees that you're getting. And you can hand select those referral agents. They don't have to be part of your team versus specifically on your team buyers agents who constantly are asking you for more leads, spend more money, they only work the cream. It's a totally different scenario. And I have to say, Tim, I think you would agree with this. So let's explain what you just said yeah. in more detail, okay? okay? So the buyer agent model is dead. Just dead, dead, dead. Now, you as an independent independent agent working with buyers, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about these big teams that have a bunch of agents working with them who are then, they are providing those buyer agents with leads. They're essentially spending a lot of money to you know then service those buyer agent transactions, all the rest of it. The reason that model is not working right now, never really did work, kind of worked back in the 90s before there was this political of buying leads. Truthfully, agents back then, buyers agents back then were forced to be part of the team to proactively lead generate. But nowadays, you guys just basically stock your teams for all these pissed off, angry baby birds who are constantly screaming for new worms. Where are the worms? Exactly. Right. (laughs) And that's what basically sucks your profit away, by the way. But if you combine this with the fact that the buyer agent commissions are literally dropping in many markets, they're going from what they were to half of what they were to half of what they half. And they're going to continue to fall because in an ultra competitive seller's market, 
market, the seller listing agents know and the sellers know that you don't really have to pay a buyer's agent commission. It's going to sell itself without one. And we're also seeing in a lot of markets that the buyer agents are actually putting their commissions um, in the deal as in like, you don't have to pay a, a buyer agent commission. You can just pay me a thousand bucks versus say the two and a half percent or the three percent that you've got in the MLS just to give my buyer an, an advan you know, a shot at getting the house. They're doing that because they know that they can't, there's not enough listings for sale and they know that that buyer is probably going to lose interest in looking for houses if they can't be put in a contract on a house. Okay. So the moral of the story is the buyer agent business model at this extreme end of the seller's market is definitely in flux. So what we suggest all of you do, and we've looked at a thousand spreadsheets and P&Ls for different agents and different teams, as opposed to ever building a buyer's agent team, even if the market starts to migrate back towards a balance, let alone a buyer's market, what we want all of you to do is form what EXP Realty calls basically a self-organized team. And what you could then in essence can do is have agents in your marketplace that are part of your self-organized team that you then can refer the buyer leads to, but you're not responsible for them for anything. You didn't promise uh, anything other than the occasional lead that you're going to send their way. And then you do charge them a 25% referral fee. And here's what a lot of you guys won't be able to understand because no one's ever explained this to you. Your net profit, if you have buyer's agents working for you on staff, considering all the services that they demand to be included, you know, if you're going to, if they're going to work for you, if they're going to give you the honor of, you know, being buyer's agents for you. And uh, so the amount of profit you'll make off of them is uh, far less than the amount of profit you, if any at all, by the way, than you'd make if you had buyers agents uh, in your independent agents that aren't a part of this sort of you know bastardized team model that so many of you guys think is the pathway forward for you if you stop trying to have these as you know in-house buyers agents that you're again providing all these supporting services to and you just start referring your buyer leads out to independent agents you then can start making 25% referral fees which is on average 25% more than you're making from the agents that are working for you now yes and you have far more control too because that referral agent is does not have a built-in ex expectation of having a flood more leads from you right if they do a terrible job you don't have to use them again you can have a handful of different referral agents that are specialists in different, you know, you could have one for luxury, one for a certain sure. area, somebody that's really great at new construction. And if it doesn't work out, you just move on to another one so, versus some of these teams you guys have built because your best friend got licensed at the same time you did doesn't mean they're going to do a good job for anybody. And when it comes time to fire them, you can't bring yourself to do it. And here's the irony of it. Why is it that you guys, if you know the numbers, if you actually were, and it doesn't take long for you to see the numbers and realize that working, having a, a traditional or what's become a normal normalized uh, agent team where you have all these buyer agents working for you. It's so obvious that that is an absolute exercise in futility, assuming your goal is to make profit. Then why do agents still do it? Number one reason is ignorance. They don't realize that they're not going to make any profit. Number two is arrogance. They think that somehow they're going to beat the odds and they're going to be the one agent of a billion that builds a profitable team. Uh, and number three is ego. So their goal is basically to essentially sell units so they can get more plaques and trophies and right. awards. And they actually think that that's the, that is what their mission is in their real estate business. It's not to, you know, it's not to make a profit. It's to basically get recognition. So assuming that you're not going to be motivated by arrogance, ignorance, or ego, then you need to seriously consider what we're saying about uh, adding staff. And we're seriously consider what we're saying about having buyer agents work for you because it really is an exercise in futility, which circles back to our whole premise that you should be spending all your best energies every single day on becoming a powerful listing agent. Exactly. So what do you do about all of these points? Well, we've given you actionable items on every single principle of success. Hopefully you're writing those down, circling them, and most importantly, taking action on them. So tomorrow we're going to pick up where we left off today. We're going to finish out these points. 
uh, maybe a couple other days. And then what we're going to do is we're going to present to you the 20 reasons why there's going to be no market reversal anytime soon. By anytime soon, you need the next probably, this is probably a little bit lofty when if a prediction, but we're thinking as far as three to five years, we are seeing absolutely zero resistance to a continuation of the market that we've been experiencing with regards to an incredibly strong buyer's market. And matter of fact, I'm sorry, seller's market. And matter of fact, Julie and I have even looked at, at thought about our own, what we're believing to be true. And we've tried to uh, argue our own points to see if we can find a, uh, you know, flaws in our own thinking. And when we come up against, like, you can create your black swan event that might cause the market to pivot. But here's the thing. You just went through the biggest black swan right. event ever called COVID. And what happens? The housing market took off. So there, there's not only no financial uh, reason why there should be a housing crash. There's no, uh, there's not going to be a raising of interest rates. That's just a myth. There's not going to be any sort of anything other than inflation, which is going to make asset prices increase, starting with your house. I mean, we can go down the whole list well, now. We will. We will. I mean, <laughs> We're really excited to present these points yeah. to you because we're presenting. We've created this content for you guys to present it to your marketplace, yes. to, so you can actually have it for your clients, so you can show them this is the reason why you need to be at, taking action now well, and purchasing it, a house or putting your house for sale and not waiting. It is an objection handler. Exactly, it's this, kind of a script, really. It is kind of a script. Wow. Oh, we just slipped into a script. We did. Script uh -oh. warning. Boom, boom, boom. Right, hey, did we tell them to text twenty twenty one? Let's do it again. Okay, remember, guys, if you don't have your real estate treasure map. Or if you don't have Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, text 2021 to 47372. Text 2021 to 47372. And when you do, we're going to text you back a link to download the Real Estate Treasure Map and Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. Thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States, maybe the world. <laughs> this program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.